the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. We live in a weird freaking world, man. Uh, You know, it's hard to understand the motivations of how certain stories get in front of you, and it's hard to understand how some are completely ignored. Um, we are kind of in that world where, because people are, I guess it's political correctness, although that feels such a sort of stereotypical, outdated term at this point, but a lot of it is that people don't want to hurt people's feelings, you want to believe these things, um, and a lot of times you find out the truth is is a lot more complicated and sometimes completely wrong. Um, one of the stories I would bring to your attention on that front is the Rolling Stone story from uh, a couple of years ago now, where uh, a woman... Um, uh, who was uh, not, uh, I mean, the, the, there was a, woman, a female author and a female uh, person in the in the story who was the, apparently raped. That was the, uh, that was what we were supposed to believe at least, uh, was raped in a terrible incident, which they described in gruesome detail throughout the story. Uh, <clears throat> and there are some questions to be asked about it. Um, one of the guys who actually asked the questions about it really kind of broke the story and brought it into the mainstream. And then eventually, obviously, the story <clears throat> was proven to be uh, false uh, is Robbie Suave from Reason Magazine and, and, or, and uh, Reason.com. Um, and, and interestingly enough, the story went all the way, if you remember, from being questioned, disproved, uh, retracted, and then a giant lawsuit uh, happened. I actually just heard an interview with the guy who created Rolling Stone, still owns the company. Um, and he named it as the biggest mistake they made in the entire time the, the magazine had been in existence. Um, so, uh, oops. Uh, joining us now is Robbie Suave from Reason.com. Uh, Robbie, thanks for coming on the program. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. The, what, so there's a couple reasons we have you on today. Um, because number one is there's a case that we don't know the end of it yet. But the beginning of it looks awfully similar to kind of what we saw with Rolling Stone. You were one of the people kind of looking at this and asking really uncomfortable questions yet again. I don't know how you got this a lot in life. Uh, <laughs> but can you walk us through this late, latest story with Cosmopolitan? Uh, sure. So I saw this story, yeah, like you said, in Cosmo. Uh, it's about a, a woman who works at an abortion provider uh, in North Carolina, and she said she was on a she was on a date with someone. She she knew who it was, uh, and uh, obviously she knew his name. And when he found out that she worked at a abortion <laughs> clinic, he got he got very uncomfortable. The date ended, and then she claimed that he actually followed her to her car, uh, pushed her into the car, tied her up with the seatbelt, and uh, and raped her. And that she didn't go to the police right away. She didn't, uh, she didn't, I think she eventually went to the police, but she didn't tell them who did it, it which is astonishing because she actually knows his name. And, uh, and she, and actually, actually he continued to harass her, she claims, in this, in this uh, reported piece for Cosmo. He continued to harass her for months after, sending her voicemail messages and texts. She thinks the kind of protesters outside her clinic might be in league with him or, or he told them what to say because they're saying targeted things that she remembered from the date, uh, which sounds kind of, I mean, that's, you know, that's a kind of a tough thing to, to, to believe, but I mean, she, she would know who it is, so you, you'd think there would be ways to verify it. But, but what bothers me is there's nothing in the story that suggests that the reporter uh, said, hey, what's this guy's name so I can look him up on Facebook at the very least to you know, know that he really exists. 
Um, your friends said they saw you, that you were injured right after. Did she, did she talk to the friends? Um, those kinds of things. It, it doesn't, it's not clear they were done, and those are the exact things that, uh, that, as you alluded to earlier, the author of the Rolling Stones story failed to do. So I've just been trying to, you know, just get answers to, you know, what, how, what, what did the editing and approving and, and verifying process look like? And Cosmo has not answered any of those questions. Wow. I mean, that is really strange if you're going to make a big deal about one of these stories that obviously they believe in and, and, and or at least they say they do. And they were making a big deal out of it and trying to, uh, again, paint a broader storyline. This is never about one crime, right. right? It's about how basically men are constantly. And it's in a rape case, culture. Yeah, it's a rape culture. And in this case, I think specifically targeting people who oppose uh, abortion as you know violent and angry and uh and 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 out for these uh, apparently revenge attacks and i guess you could make a case that i'm sure this obviously has happened in you know over the years where a woman uh, is involved in a terrible incident like this legitimately uh and then down the road says you know look i don't want to go through the, the the terrible uh you know process of reliving it and doesn't report it. I, I think that's a terrible idea, but you know, I, I, can, I can understand how it's possible. As you li- outline here, this was, she was a subject of ongoing harassment over a long period of time, mm-hmm. and if she goes to the police and doesn't give their name, I mean, this does not seem like a plausible story, and obviously that's the best outcome here because then there wasn't an attack. Uh, I hope that's the way this turns out. But, I mean, when, when you're talking about basic journalism questions, what are, what's your recourse here? Can you, I mean, there's no way to force them to comment on it, but is it just trying to right. draw attention to the story? Right. I mean, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. I mean, I, I began by emailing uh, the author, and, and I, I try to be polite about it. I, you know, I, I don't presume that, that she's lying or that, she, or that she did a bad job. I just said, you know, it looks... Some of the proof that I think would be necessary here is missing from the story, but maybe you did that anyway, and it just didn't survive into the final version. Mm-hmm. You know, did you did you learn the guy's name? I think that's you know so important. Even if you didn't contact him, right? Did you did you Google his name to make to see that this person exists? Uh, did you talk to the friends or her parents, or or did you listen to any of the harassing voicemail messages he apparently left her? Um, those kinds of questions. So she didn't answer those when I contacted her. I then contacted Cosmo to ask if that was done, and then I then I started you know tweeting at them slightly more aggressively. I I still think politely just to just to kind of get their attention, and uh, and they've said nothing. And, and you're right, there's nothing. I, I guess I I can't I can't make them. Um, I, I think it's important to note that the author of this story is a freelancer for Cosmo who appears to be an anti-abortion activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, would make me, you know, if I was going to edit or run a story by someone who is very clearly an ideologue for this cause, I, I'd want to be extra careful that their narrative is at least being vetted uh, because they are going to be prone, just like the author of the Rolling Stone story, to believe this anyway because it fits what they think. And, and so you have to be additionally careful. And You know, I, I don't know, like, like you said, I don't know if if, you know, maybe women who work at, a, at abortion clinics, they are at, at higher risk of violence. That, that could be true. I don't know. I don't think really the story establishes it very well, but it cites this as a central anecdote to prove that case. And this one, this looks kind of uh, sketchy at the very least and certainly not, uh, not proven or demonstrated. It's interesting because I think in some ways the Rolling Stone approach is, is slightly more defensible and <clears throat> that, like, you wouldn't want to – you could argue – uh, we shouldn't contact this person uh, who is uh, charged with these crimes because we don't want to alert 
this woman uh, the, to alert the guy that the story's going on, and then he might wind up harassing the woman again. But when she's coming out publicly and allowing her picture to be in the story and her name to be printed, mm -hmm. whoever this guy is, if this actually happened, is obviously going to know that she's talking to the media and she opens herself up to that anyway. So there's really not that much downside to going and talking to this guy. And it doesn't seem like they did that unless it's just a really terribly written story. Right, right, exactly, and and we have to remember the the crown, you know, the cardinal mistake that Sabrina Rubin Erdley, the author of the Rolling Stone story, made was relying on Jackie, the source, uh, allowing Jackie to claim, well, this is what my friend said, and my friends don't want to talk to you, but this is what I recall them saying, and Erdley didn't follow up with the friends to mm. verify that, and, and and here, you know, there there's sentiments sort of attributed to friends and it's not clear if the author if the author contacted them so it's it's almost the same thing and yeah i agree with i mean this woman uh, you know unlike jackie the woman in this cosmo story is she is named she's her pictures there so she's not uh you know which adds a certain amount of of additional credibility rather than just being quoted anonymously but that said i i don't you know i don't understand not uh not at least investigating whether this person exists uh, particularly because he, he's in a pattern of ongoing abuse of her. Yeah, and, and Robbie, I, I mean, and the police, yeah. I mean, he's, he hasn't been, there's been no arrest, right? There's been no charge. Right. I mean, there doesn't, without that, it's, it's kind of weird to assume there is a crime, but nobody, I mean, even when she knows the guy's name, knows who did it, there's been, there's been no law enforcement action here. That's right. pretty and suspect. It's pretty suspect, too, because I don't know how you would, it, 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 for, for, for him, for the perpetrator, I don't know how he would have expected to get away with this. Right. I mean, right. in reality, sexual assault on campus is, is unlike the false Jackie story. It's not a premeditated, you're lured to an upstairs room, you're attacked by several people. It's, I mean, the reality is, and Candace Jackson got in trouble, the, the uh, education department official, for saying this last week, but, but it's true that alcohol abuse is the background for, for you know, the kind of most of what we understand to be sexual assault. It's, it's intoxicated victims and perpetrators, hazy recollections. I, I'm, not, I'm not making excuses for that. that. That's wrong, and those people should still be held accountable. Yeah. But that's how, that's how these incidents unfold, because then you can't remember, and you, you, know, what ha you have to try to piece it together. And that allows uh, act, you know, actual perpetrators to get away with it. The sort of planned, premeditated, fully conscious victim who you then harass for months after. Bizarre. I mean, how would you expect to, to get away with that? <laughs> it's bizarre. And we're also supposed to, I guess, be led down the road of this guy raped her, at least in part, because she works at Planned Parenthood, right? So he hates abortion, but he condones rape. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of a weird Christian zealot there, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess there's no accounting for these nut nut cases. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that is a weird set of beliefs. <laughs> uh, there. It is, uh, Robbie. I'm glad you brought up Candace Jackson, though, because this is a story I don't think it has has had a lot of attention. Were these comments really controversial? I think most people. I think it's controversial to say, but most people believe that in these cases where really bad things happened, I mean, it's no surprise that alcohol is involved a lot of the times. That's right. And, you know, her, she said, well, it's 90%, and she, she used an exact figure, which, of course, that's, you know, that's not a scientific statistic, so it, probably that was an exaggeration. But if we're being a little charitable to her, the sentiment is correct that, that you know, I've, I've read and reviewed uh, 
probably 100 different Title IX campus sexual assault disputes, and the vast majority involve one or both being intoxicated. And, she, and Candace Jackson also said that, you know, these are being, these are being filed months after. And, and that's also true in, in many of these that I read. And I, I honestly have read the transcripts of, of many of a great deal of these accusations. Often they are filed months or even a year later after, you know, after there's, there's been some additional falling out of the people involved. I, I don't mean to suggest that, that the women are lying or, or that these aren't serious or that people shouldn't be held accountable, but they are much, much messier, uh, much more confusing for people to kind of sort out who was right, who was wrong. Was there consent? If you were both drinking, if you were both unable to give consent, did you actually sexually assault each other? Or yeah. are we just holding men accountable because we kind of have that, that norm, which I, I don't understand why feminists are suddenly in favor of when it comes to these kinds of issues. <laughs> um, so, so they're, they're difficult issues. And, and, Broadly, what Candace Jackson said about it, I think, is correct, and I, I hope that as the Education Department, as the Office for Civil Rights moves forward, they're, they're kind of more serious about whether campuses should handle these things uh, according to a standard that violates due process or whether the police should handle these things. We're talking to Robbie Suave for a reason. I'm sure you put some thought into this, and I, I'm a little perplexed by it. The, 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 what is the motivation for people who are claiming this rape culture to uh, advocate for colleges to be the arbitrator of these cases rather than the legal system. Isn't the legal system, I mean, I definitely think that's the appropriate place for it, but what is the motivation to not want the police to be involved in these cases? Well, the, the kind of being most charitable to them, they're right that uh, it is hard to bring these cases to trial through the existing criminal justice system. Uh, you know, a lot of them stall out. A lot of times there just isn't good evidence. It's hard, it's hard to prove even if, you're, even if you're right because people have you know, bad memories for things that happen uh, during alcohol abuse and if there's no obvious sign of trauma, if they didn't go to the hospital right away and, and kind of have a rape uh, kit performance, uh, that, that, you know, that creates actual evidence, but you don't always do that. Uh, so, so the criminal justice system probably does need reform to be able to handle these accusations better, but I don't know why they don't concentrate their efforts there. The less charitable explanation is that, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's a certain amount of, uh, uh, I think, unnecessary attention being paid to the college problem when we know from statistics that uh, women who are not in college are actually at greater risk of being sexually assaulted, which is surprising until you, you think about it, because women not in college are, are disproportionately uh, uh, less wealthy and, and less privileged, and they're, they're less white and they're you know people trapped in in abusive relationships or in low-income communities those are the people at risk of violent attack and they only have the regular criminal justice system to go through but for some reason we're paying attention to the to vastly more privileged uh people who who are victims or claim victims uh who are less likely to suffer violence and we say they need this uh, this quasi system uh, where their accusations don't have to be proven in a court of law. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's sort of weird anyway. Mm, it really is. It's, it's one of the strangest things because you'd think if your concern is the victims, and there are those, those, those problems with the legal system, you, you work on reforming that. We've reformed other parts of the legal system with some success over the you know, fairly recent uh, history. You'd think that there would be uh, a tension there, and instead it, it, it almost feels as if it's really just a political uh, case there. It's really not about the victims. It's just about, you know, these organizations trying to prove there's this massive problem when, when you really look at it, it doesn't seem like a systemic problem like that actually exists. 
Right. It's a problem, but and maybe it's even a systemic problem, but it's a different one than the one they're talking about. It's a problem of it's a binge drinking culture. It's a, it's a, they 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 party too hard. Uh, it's a it's a it's a culture of, of uh, abuse dependency. Uh, things like things of that nature. Is it a it's it's a culture maybe of 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 uh, you know uh, touching people or being too forward with people. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of I would say sexually inappropriate. Uh, uh, touching it, it, that's really what the one in five statistic reflects is that you know, you know people get groped at parties, but that like, but that's part of the statistic when people have say sex one when in they're five, drunk, women are being going to be horribly mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. horribly sexually assaulted. They're actually, you know, people in that survey said, Well, I was made fun of it, like that person is reflected in that statistic, Jeez. Uh, which, I, which I'm not saying is good. I'm not saying right. we can't talk about ways to solve that. I'm just saying that's different than saying one in five women are going to be. You know, held down and forcibly raped at, at gunpoint or at fist point or something. Mm. Amazing stuff, and it's just the stories that uh, the media actually does not seem to want to look at at all. And I'm glad you're drawing attention to them. And, and keep us updated if you hear from Cosmopolitan. I, I'd love to know if there's any way we can gr- draw attention to this because it, it definitely seems shady. Like this, the story does mm-hmm. not seem right. I hope I you know, and I hope we're right on this. I hope that there is no attack because that's always the best outcome here. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know how you get your answers. I mean, you know, you feel like Rolling Stone, who is not exactly a, a super high-level journalistic organization, um, it, it has a little bit more um, jur- journalistic credibility to actually answer your questions. I don't know that Cosmo is uh, normally used to this sort of inquiry, uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested to see how it, uh, how it plays out. I, I appreciate you calling, uh, calling attention to this. Uh, I'll uh, keep you updated. All right, Robbie Swabby from Reason.com. Thanks for coming on the program. That's a Thank weird you. one, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, these things keep happening. And, and it's like, and I guess, you know, this is probably every media organization at some level feels this. Like, I'm sure there are times where, you know, uh, uh, right wing organizations, um, they want to blame some left winger. And it's easier to, to put that in there without the same standard of proof. The same thing with left wing, you know, Rachel Maddow, it's a lot easier to, to blame Donald Trump for something than their own party. And I think this happens here was when you have invested in this narrative of rape culture that every guy wants to rape, 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 rape all the time. You find these stories and you're just you're just willing to be like, ah, even if it's not true, it's true. In that in that uh, interview with the Rolling Stone guy, he said that the story was inaccurate, but the narrative was true. <laughs> Essentially, like guys really are raping all the time, but we just happened to pick one that wasn't true. That was essentially his point. Pathetic. It's incredible. 